Episode 2 of TupaCast. Tonight, I have a very special guest with me, Kevin Zerby. One of the uh, things that I like to do with TupaCast is interview people. I really enjoy getting to meet people, get, really getting to know somebody. And Kevin, I have met online recently, and we become good friends. And so this is a good chance for us to to really get to know each other. Well, I guess me get to know him better. And you as well. I think you're really going to enjoy this, this interview. I think you're going to have a lot of fun and get to learn a little bit about uh, the Zerbinator. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention in, in the last episode, I'm going to be doing art, artwork based on each, each podcast. I'm going to do a drawing slash painting of something that we talk about in the podcast, and then uh, I'm going to put it up on the blog. It's ctupa.com slash tupacast. And I'll also sell that artwork if anybody wants it. The proceeds from that just strictly go to help pay for the hosting fees and all that stuff. So anyway, I forgot to mention that. Uh, Without any further ado, uh, Tupacast number two, our first interview, Kevin Zerby. How's it going, Kevin? Oh, thank you. I'm good. (laughs) How are you doing? I am awesome. I'm I'm super thrilled to have you. Um, It's been a pleasure getting to know you the past, I don't know, it's been less than a year, right? Online? Uh, I think it's been about a year. Yeah. Uh, no, because I got a Christmas uh, card uh, from you. So. Okay. I, okay. Oh wow, yeah. it's been longer. Yeah, it's been okay. a little over a year. It's it's really neat. With the internet, you get to meet a lot of people and and make friends and acquaintances and all that kind of stuff. But having a podcast, um, you know, I was on yours uh, a month or so ago, and it's just really, it's really nice with technology that we get to sit down and talk to each other. And, and we both have, uh, what's it called? Webcams. So we yeah. can look at each other and talk to each other. And it, it's, it's almost like we're in the same room, even though we're almost opposite ends of the country. There we are. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really neat. Really looking forward to this. Well, I am too. I got to admit, I'm a bit nervous. I've never had anybody interview me before. So this is going to be interesting. And, and I oh, hope yeah. I answer the questions truthfully if you uh, have a Bible, I'll put my hand on it and uh, make sure they tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but It's burning! <laughs> Be a part of your embellished cast. I really am, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say anything in here. You have to tell the truth. I guess I should have put that in the notes. <laughs> no lying. <laughs> I guess out of, you know, all uh, transparency or whatever, I did send you a list of the questions beforehand so you could uh kind of think about it because once we get into this the audience will see that some of these you you do have to think about and i don't want to just go up to somebody and say hey tell me this and then you know not not give them a a, a fair amount of time to to get to give a good answer so understand if anybody cares i gave them the questions beforehand (laughs) they're like shut up just get on with the interview (laughs) (laughs) all right let's do it then Okay, Kevin. Yes. First question: If you would mind telling us uh, who you are, your name, nickname, what you go by, all that stuff. I go by either Zerb, 
Some people call me Zerby. People know me most as Zerbinator. Okay. I, was, I was born, my biblical name is Kevin Hewlett Zerby. Uh, I don't know where the Hewlett came from, but that's my middle name. Oh, okay. Hewlett. Isn't that weird? Like Hewlett Packard? I still can't like... get used to it. Yeah, exactly, like Hewlett Packard. Uh, okay. No relation whatsoever. It's uh, a name that they gave me. Uh, the first name Kevin was really cool when I was a kid, but now it seems to be the annoying name in the corner. Like, way to go, oh. Kevin. You know, that kind of name. <laughs> um, and Zerbinator was given to me by my buddy Wally. That uh, I used to work in the U.S. Botanic Gardens back in the 90s, uh, beginning of the 90s. And uh, every time I showed up to work, they used to go, Zerb, the Zerbinator, from that Saturday Night Live sketch with... Uh, Oh, what's his name? I always forget the guy's name who did that. He's one who shows up in all the Adam Sandler movies. What's that guy's name? Rob Schneider. The gigolo guy? Yeah, gigolo guy. And, and uh, <laughs> So they turned me into the Zerbinator. That's how I got the Zerbinator name. So I've always stuck awesome. with that. Yeah. Okay, here's the next question. Sure. Um, Zerb, how about you tell the audience a little bit about your life? Like, what's, what's your history? Oh, goodness. What's... How far, back, story. how far back would you like to go? The day of your birth. <laughs> I remember it was dark and bright light, and then this guy in a mask smacked me in the ass. And, and then, then everybody was screaming, put it back! <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait, really? No. Next up, why don't you give us a short summary of your, your life story up to this point, if you don't mind? Sure. Born in Arlington, Virginia. Perfect. Oh, okay, the next question. <laughs> That's a really short summary. Uh, I'm just messing with you. Go ahead. <laughs> I was a wee little lad. Grew up in the 70s with the bell bottoms and the 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 turtleneck shirts and looking like uh, Larry from Three's Company going to school. And um, <laughs> went to a, went to a Catholic school. I had a a, a pretty decent upbringing. I, growing up, kind of middle class. My father worked for the government. My mom didn't have to work until probably about eighty three, eighty four, when I was thirteen or fourteen. So growing up, I spent most of the time going to school. Um, I had to go to bed early. Uh, went to Catholic school as a kid. So there was a lot of. Uh, there was heavy religious backgrounds in my childhood, um, okay. of which I try to maintain now, but I'm not as into it like I was when I was growing up. There was a a strict a strict background to that. My mother is is as close to a Jesuit as you can get. I mean, she's okay. not, a Jesuit, oh, okay. but she is very she is super Catholic, and okay. anytime that I cross that line into non-Catholic, she goes nutty, and she prays for me endlessly until I'm saved. And I love her for it. This is my mother who is now getting to the age where, just like Bill Cosby says, this is an old woman now who's trying to get into heaven. That's oh, okay. I mean. <laughs> sure. And, um, but, I, but I grew hey, up with that as a kid. At least and, she's trying, uh, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, no, I appreciate every ounce of it. Um, uh, um, I, my dad was a very strict German gentleman who uh, he was also uh, an auxiliary police officer and he worked for the government um, in a kind of job where I can't discuss it with you or else I have to find okay. you. No, he did a, lot of, <laughs> did a lot of work. He was in Germany during 
uh, he was in Bonn, Germany during the years that the wall came down and he was heavily okay. into uh, working with with both governments at that time for that. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, he worked, as far as I know, there was a lot that wasn't said and I'm going strictly off of after, he passed away in 2009, by the way. But oh. during his uh, funeral, they did a lot of um, uh, discussing of uh, things that he did, you know, uh, things that made him such a great man and i knew none of these things until oh wow i never knew that you know he he would go and meet uh some big names in in politics at the local safeway after they closed at night and go shopping with them so that he could discuss different types of security measures i never oh, knew wow. yeah he did some wow, big, big fascinating stuff and, yeah and i always thought he was such a dork and you know you know it's a hell of a time to come <laughs> Become really, really proud of your dad after he passes away. <laughs> you know, before that, you're just like, oh, you just punch keys. You don't tell us because you know, you know, you're just a you're just a keyboard typer or something. No, oh wow, yeah, right. Guy, you know, and uh, but I I looked up after him. You know, he and I used to work in the backyard, and he always made these little cardboard signs that said Zerbin Son. You know, and we would break oh, okay. hard or something. You know what I mean? Nice. That's fun. It was a lot of that. He took us to the park and all that. He was a musician, so there was a lot of music in our family. I had a lot of uh, great aunts and a lot of uh, uh, connection with music with them. They all played music. And they were all painters and oh, wow. uh, teachers, too. So I grew up with a lot of uh, math cards and, you know, you know, where are you going, Kevin? Going out to my room. Spell room. R-O-O-O, <laughs> you know. So I grew up with a lot of that. And that's what my upbringing was like. Was surrounded by family, surrounded by music, surrounded by strict enforcement, and a heck of a lot of God. So it was pretty cozy. I had a pretty good childhood. Was was your dad Catholic as well as your, as your mom? My dad grew up Lutheran in his family and then became Catholic when he met my mom. Okay. That's how powerful yeah, Luther- my mother was. Lutheran's pretty close, though, isn't it? It is. I think the only difference is the spelling. No. <laughs> I think it's a matter of um, uh, there's there's a lot more fire and brimstone in Lutheran, I think, than okay. than Catholic. However, it's still in Catholic, but they just don't tell you about it until you really screw up. <laughs> we have the yeah. seven deadly sins, and you know Lutherans have you know don't do that. You're going straight to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, we, we paint with broader strokes, I think. That's about the only difference. <laughs> did your dad bring bring home a piece of the wall? He did. He brought, oh boy, big chunks of it. And um, Oh, wow. Uh, I have some. Actually, it's in storage at my sister's house right now. Uh, oh, wow. He made these uh, little plaques for him, so he put them on little uh, pieces of wood that he cut out, and he would super glued pieces to it, give them the Christmas gifts all year. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. When he came back, he uh, made a big deal of speaking German to all the waiters and waitresses at, at all the restaurants. And, and then he would go, oh, forgive me. I just, you know, he would be proud of himself. I just came back from Germany. And, and, oh, did you get to see the wall come down? Oh, yes, of course I did. But he wouldn't say what he did. But, you know, right. he loved that. Attention. Awesome. I don't wow, know. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah he was a cool wow. guy. Did your dad teach you in, any instruments or did you just kind of learn by yes. being around? No, every ounce of my piano playing is because when he would, he would come uh, home from trips or to Pennsylvania to see his parents or whatever, um, or 
you know, going to work before work, he'd play piano and leave. And when I was a little kid, I'd sit down and try to imitate everything he did. And so I grew up learning, you know, folk music on piano, classical on piano, um, just by imitating what he did. That's how, how I got into music. And he okay. bought me my first drum set, which was a Muppet show drum set when I was, uh, oh, I think it was nice. like eight to 10 years old. Yeah, it was wonderful. And I played that thing to the point where the paper is all broke. Then he would replace the paper and then I'd break those. And, um, wow. but he taught me my first drum beat and, uh, I, to this day, it's still something I use whenever I want to be creative because it was always an off time paradiddle where it would just, uh, go, you know, one way and then you switch it up so that it would be like a mirror image of itself be an alternate version of the same beat can you play a little bit now or yeah, it, this is the way he did it you you would go keep the bass drum going with a and then you would go and that's it made me do that over and over again oh and you know it's not a big deal now but at age you know eight nine ten of course yeah. of course now you go onto youtube and you see people three four and five playing you know neil pert doing the drum solo to yyz it's like <laughs> yyz yeah i could never pull that off when i was a kid but he told me that he bought me my first guitar when i turned nine years old and wow. and that really got me going because to to transfer what i was doing on piano to a guitar was amazing that was just a neat feeling you know wow. to be able to do that i can't play any instruments i wish i could i'm i'm visual i'm the, i'm the drawing guy hey kevin so with your with your dad working for the government was he gone a lot he wasn't gone a lot the um he would take some trips i think the two trips i remember when i was a young young kid um were both in dallas texas actually he headed out your way oh wow. if you remember no uh, he, he went out there. It was so bad one year. This is bad. This goes under dumb stories I did when I was a kid. But I took uh, his, uh, he, he brought back a badge from Texas. It was a really nice sheriff's badge. And I took it with me to school one day. And I told all the kids that he bought it for me, which wasn't true. And for some reason, that I was very well known in school as an embellisher because I was. I used to lie about everything. I was terrible with that. I don't know what that was about. I think it was, uh, I wanted to impress all my friends. So I had to come up with the stupidest outlandish crap. I could. <laughs> sure, sure. I took a, uh, bird cash on the way to school. I took it to school and said that my dad and I made it. So, and everybody could see, everybody could see the name of the company that was already on the side of the thing. And uh, that was my show and tell for that day. So, oh, wow. So when he was gone on long trips, I think that was my way of missing him. So I would make up stuff as if, uh, you know, he was at home, you know, okay. building stuff with me and, and, you know, bringing me gifts, which he did. But yeah, when I was a kid, those were the biggest thing. He always headed out to Dallas, Texas. And, uh, and he always came back with this girl who had a really strong Southern accent that made no sense <laughs> until now. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, her name was Francine. And she really wants to be a model, but she could sing, she could dance. She yeah, me I know Francine. Yeah, Francine is great. She let me call her mama on the weekends only. During the week, she was known as Mrs. Smith. Um, the um, <laughs> the uh, older I got, he would take trips to other countries, and he was gone for you know a couple of years at a time. So that was like eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. 
and even uh and it was 24 when he came back from 1994 1995 when he came back from germany and that's when stuff stuff started to sink in about what he actually did for a living you know wait wait he was gone for a couple of years he was gone for about uh three years my brother went with him actually went to college three or four years really? I think it was yeah my brother did he, went- like come home and visit or no he was out there permanently for three or four years. Well, at this time, I'm so sorry. In 1988, my parents had divorced. You know, they were. Oh, okay. I left that part out. That's important. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you're like, you're so calm about it. Yeah, dad was gone for three years. Nuggets. You think I was kidding about Francine? (laughs) Francine and my pop were close. Real close. They hug funny. Yeah, they, they divorced when I was 18 years old. And uh, that was rough. I really took that hard. Grew my sure. hair out in rebellion. Okay. Uh, yeah. It started, I so, think, in, I think it started in 1970 when I was born. Uh, it's, <laughs> so did you end up staying with your mom then? Yeah, I stayed with mom. My dad actually, poor guy, had to get an apartment. And that was hard to watch, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, sure. I, so you, you were in high school then? Like yeah, I was in high or... school. I was a sophomore at that time. Let me think. When it, when it started getting bad and Dad had to move out, I think I was about uh, 16, 17 at that time. And I, I, I never made it to full senior. I didn't do full senior. I, okay. I left school, believe it or not, at 11. No, excuse me, 10 and a half. I was really? a, a sophomore and a half there. Yep, I went back and got my GD and still went to college for a little while. But uh, okay. no, no, everything kind of fell apart there. Sure. I entered sure. dark, dark places with some substances okay. that now are illegal for some reason. <laughs> doesn't make sense. And, okay. uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that was a really, really dark time. My hair was beautiful, though. <laughs> nice, thick, full head of Bon Jovi hair from you know all the way down to the middle of my back. And uh, I was into hard rock and metal and all that, and it was great. I, I liked that aspect of it. That was a. Uh, How long were you in that period? In in a mess. Let's see. I I think I was about that was probably a bad three to four years. I think eighteen till about twenty two. And twenty two is actually when I got my GED and went back to college. So yeah, eighteen years old to about twenty two are a total blank. I remember the hair. I remembered the the women. No, the women. <laughs> I, I remember uh, a lot of crazy things that I thank God to this day that didn't end me. You know that kind of that kind of thing where you just thank God it didn't get any worse than that. You know, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. How did you wind up at the uh, U.S. Botanical Gardens? Oh, U.S. Botanical Gardens. I got very lucky. Uh, my buddy Pete. At the time, his mom worked for the U.S. Botanic Gardens. I used to go over and work with Pete's mom in her garden in her front yard. She had this elaborate setup with every single type of perennial and annual you could think of. And at the time, I didn't even know what a perennial or annual was. I knew nothing about plants at all. But she said I did a really good job at it. And she says, how would you like to work in my my real big garden? And I said, I would love that. So they got me a summer intern job. At the oh, U.S. Wow. Botanic Gardens. Yeah, it was wonderful. Let's see. I worked there from 89 till 94. 
I got an internship there. Uh, I would work summers. I volunteered in the off seasons. Met a lot of good friends, which I still have today. Very important people in my life. My buddy Steve, my buddy Wally. Uh, Steve has been like a father to me my whole life. And um, met him when he was 40 and I was 20. And now I'm in my 40s and he's in his 60s. And we still we still talk and and it's it's weird he's he's always been like a father figure to me botanic gardens was a wonderful wonderful experience 1994 clinton shut down the government and that was the end of that job the non-essential employees got their letters and these were non-essential this was not an essential business to work in so they they even closed down the u.s botanic gardens revamped the entire thing i went back and applied for a position and didn't get it but that age at that time the money was wonderful and wow. um, yeah, and uh, I went from there straight to a garden center with a really, with that background, a really nice set of pay. So I had a house, not a house, excuse me. I was staying in a in a in a uh, in an apartment in Georgetown okay. with with a woman, and she was the girl that and my wife's right in the next room. <laughs> the, next there question. Other women in my life. Yeah. Next question. Next question. But no, that's fine. It's uh, it was it was a nice time. But the thing that that was ridiculous, we would always go down to like J Crew to go shopping. Dinner was always out in expensive places, and I was oh wow, I was Mister Ritzy Butt at the time. Sure, throwing money around like you know, living it up, man. It was it was bad, and I tell you what, I wouldn't do any of that again if I was given the chance because it was just I turned into that. That the Melrose Place ass, I can't stand that type of person. <laughs> Couldn't stand that. <laughs> However, I, not to crap on the connections I made at the Botanic Gardens. The Botanic Gardens was a very prestigious type of job. That was wonderful to work in, all because of my, my buddy's mom who helped me get in there. Her name was okay. Kathy, and she's an angel for that. I'll never forget that. What happened after the Garden Center? Then I went on to the gar- uh, the Garden Center after the Botanic Gardens. Uh, I started working for my mother's company. My mom uh, started a company building houses in Arlington, Virginia. So I helped build eight out of 10 houses. Yeah. I did everything from, uh, the gardening is where I started doing landscaping for the houses, uh, putting in ponds and things like that. Then I moved up to making decks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that went into, and I just helped. I mean, I screwed up a lot of decks with (laughs) nail guns and just like doing cross patterns when they wanted me to go straight and. Oh boy, did I, I waste a lot of money, but I learned. And uh, then I started framing, putting in flooring and roofing and putting in windows, painting anything, drywall work. I did that for about, well, it was, that was close to about, oh gosh, I can't remember. But that was about eight years. Yeah, that's about oh, wow. a house a year. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, they did a lot of houses in Virginia. Really did. It's called West Investment Group. And that was my mother's company. She wow. really did a good job with that. Sad part about that is she got sick later on and, and ended up with diabetes and uh, something with her eyes where she had to have eye surgery and she had a gallbladder taken out, everything all at oh. once, but she wasn't paying attention. Her business funds got mixed up with her personal funds and the company just went down quick when she got sick, but we didn't realize oh. she was sick. The only way we knew she was sick is we started taking family pictures and she didn't look right. But when you talk oh. to her in person... You didn't notice because she worked her butt off, you know, 24 hours a day. So she always looked tired. And we didn't, you know, it was just so, we were so used to seeing it. When we look at the pictures, it's like, oh, she ain't doing too well. So she got sick. So the company went under. Yeah. That's too bad. 
Yeah. She's okay now. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. Glad to hear that. What'd you do after that? Then after that, I went on to uh, the Dulles Toll Road. Do you know where the Dulles Toll Road is? No. uh, um, Okay. You ever see Die Hard 2? I was going to say, I think I've heard of it in Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) Die Hard 2 is where I worked. It's uh, it's actually the airport. But uh, the road that goes out from the airport straight away, straight into and towards D.C. is the Dulles Toll Road. And and that is, uh, they have, uh, gosh, I think it's something like uh, somewhere around 12, I think 12 toll booths on each side. So 24 booths in all. And uh, and that's going up a 25-mile run, front and back. So I actually cut that in half, which I'm not here to do math. I'm here to talk. It's 12 and a half <laughs> miles each way. And, yeah, um, we, don't, we don't talk numbers on Supercast. No, we don't do numbers. In <laughs> and I worked there for 10 years, and um, I loved it. I started wow. as a toll collector. Uh, started in 2003, all the way up until 2013, August 22nd, 2013, to be precise. That's when I moved up here. Wow. Yeah. When you stopped doing the the house building, how did you how did you end up on the toll booth instead of like doing some other construction job? Well, actually, that's a very good question. How did I do that? Oh, it's my buddy Joe. Because the the all right. Well, my mom being sick, we had to take care of her, um, and we also had great aunts at our house. Uh, Esther and Charlotte, there was two left of five of those great aunts that I grew up with, the music teachers and yada yada. And okay. um, they, everybody was sick. It was my job to clean them up, you know, help them out. And Brian okay. would help a little bit. My sister really wasn't, she couldn't handle that type of, you know, situation. So she couldn't really help us out. And I understand okay. that. It's hard to do. But there's a lot of things that you have to, you know, that I really didn't want to do with my mom that you had to do clean her up in places you sure. don't want to clean your mom and um, yeah that kind of thing so when she started getting better um it was obvious the company wasn't really going to pick up anytime soon so okay. we just, uh, my buddy joe came to me and says look they're hiring over at the toro would you be interested and that's where my buddy joe worked and joe and i used to podcast together all the time the police standby show was started with joe we used to have okay. a show called kevin joe uh, there's, there's still episodes of the retroist with me and Joe and my wife, Shelly on there. Oh, wow. Uh, some of the Halloween specialists, specialists, specials, <laughs> retroist specialist. What happened to Joe? Uh, Joe lives in Virginia. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, uh, when I moved, Joe and I, unfortunately, uh, we still talk on the phone all the time, but Joe is not one to keep up with technology. If he would learn how to do what we're doing right now, we would still be. Oh, I gotcha. Sick. Sure, but he sure. he's got kids and he's a hard worker and that's just not Joe. Joe is not one. To, if you've heard the shows, you'd understand. Joe is just not one to to run with the pack. Joe, Joe is one to stop and look around and go, "Hey, look, a bunny!" and run over that way. That's Joe. I miss Joe. I, I wish he would learn how to do this. I've spoken to him about it. He's just it's like you know, it's it's trying to uh, pull teeth. It's hard getting him to pay attention. So sure. it didn't work out, but he got me the job at the toll road and we still talk, by the way, um, love that man to death. He's, he's been a friend of mine since the age of 13, I think. So he got me a job at the toll road. Uh, I was started as a toll collector and then it went on to, uh, a supervisor and that went on to financial officer's assistant. And that position wow. lasted quite a while until 
it came it came about to the point where people realized that I'm not really doing anything back there, so that position kind of disappeared. But <laughs> but at the same time, um, which I, in reading the questions, we'll talk about it later. But the the uh, there's an illness that I have that was starting to get really bad, and uh, I couldn't keep up with that type of work anymore. Okay. So. Uh, Bridget, my friend at the time at the toll road, and also my supervisor offered me a job at the nighttime position because that would be easier for me, number one. Number two, it's pretty much what's left for me to do, go back to being a supervisor, because this position okay. I'm in is going to end. It would just work out better that way. And uh, up until moving here, that's what I did. I, I was a nighttime supervisor at the Dulles toll road taking care of four people, but I, I couldn't concentrate on that type of work anymore. And the same thing with building houses. I think my mom getting sick was like a blessing in, dis in disguise because I was starting to like hammer my own fingers and oh, wow. <laughs> do, do dumb things that, you know, again, thank God nothing worse happened. I wouldn't be here all right, all right. <laughs> off from a bandsaw or something stupid. Yeah. Shoot yourself with a nail gun. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, so 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 then you moved to um, Connecticut. Yeah. And what do you do now? Now I work in two areas. One is um, I work for a company called Companions and Homemakers. It it's a company where you do caregiving for okay. people who are uh, elderly or um, are sick or have some kind of disabilities themselves. And that I love doing because that takes me back again to all of my great aunts and caring for family and it's sure you become part family to the people you care for you know as long as they uh as long as they like you if they don't like you you know you complain and get another person right, <laughs> right. no you try to hang in there as long as you can i'm sorry the other thing i do is i work for a pharmacy company and deliver prescriptions at night uh two nights a week for uh, a pharmacy company that does group homes and senior citizen homes convalescent homes and things like that why do you do that at night? Because I work for the Companions and Homemakers during the day. I work three days a week oh, okay. with Companions. So they let, they let you pick that? It's not connected at all. It's uh, two okay. different positions. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking that for some reason you had to do that at night. And I'm like, no, no, nothing connected. It's just it, it works out better that way. Um, I needed a part-time job just because I needed more hours. And again, with the, the illness that I have, there's only a certain amount of hours I'm allowed to work. So I was granted uh, a certain amount more and I could definitely do that. And so I said, I'll do a night driving job. That'd be a good job to have because it won't be tedious. It won't be too much to worry about. And okay. it works out pretty well. It really does. That's pretty neat. You take you take the prescriptions to like the homes and just stock yeah. them, or, or yeah, it's like a home delivery service for private citizens all the way up to huge. Uh, like the Madison is this giant building with uh, for senior citizens and and retired citizens to live in, and uh, okay. and we deliver also to uh, like I said, convalescent homes and and. Homes with uh, people with disabilities, group homes, things like that. It's uh, it's really neat. And I all over Connecticut. I've learned how to get anywhere in Connecticut within two years better than I knew how to get to some of my friends' houses down in Virginia. Oh wow! Oh yeah, Connecticut. It, you can be anywhere in a half an hour at the oh, most. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah, nice. Connecticut's pretty small. It really is. It, it takes like nine hours to get out of Texas from where oh, I live. Oh gosh, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. 
That's got to be scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, we're never, we're never going to get out of here. It's like a Twilight Zone episode or yeah. something. You, just, you keep driving, but we're still in Texas. And you haven't finished that toast yet? The Texas toast reference. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, sorry. If you don't mind, let's skip to my next question. I was, I was going to ask you about your hobbies and stuff, but let's skip that since – um, you mentioned it. If you don't mind, let's talk about your illness. If you don't mind, um, tell to. us. No, no, that's tell us. Um, tell us uh, what it is, symptoms, diagnosis, etc. Like, like if talk to me as if I don't know anything about it, and, and maybe we can educate um, Huge, the audience. No problem. Huge genital disorder is something that is quite common. <laughs> and, you have that too. And, yeah. Oh, you too. <laughs> Meeting is this wow. Thursday, if you can... I'm not the only one. one. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I was about the age of... Uh, <laughs> about the age of 11, I start... I'm just... I'm going to try to make the long story short, I promise. But... Okay. okay. And I say that without making a long story short, but at the age of 11, <laughs> I started having tremors in my hands. And uh, okay. I... My dad one day said to us, you know, one of you two kids is lying, my brother and me. Um, one of you two kids is lying. Uh, put your fingers in the milk. And if, if any, because this is his, his wonderful, uh, you know, uh, training there at the government. If you put your fingers in the milk and the milk starts shaking, that means you're lying. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm splashing milk all over the damn place. You know, I was scared, number one, but number two, I couldn't control it. And, and, okay. and so dad figured I was lying in this particular situation. I don't think I was lying. And, uh, but that always okay. stuck in my head in the back of my mind. Why did I shake so much? And the older I got, the more my hands started shaking. I remember getting a job at a gas station and I'm, I'm trying to fill out a form and my hand is just all over the place. And, okay. uh, the guy who owned the gas station, he was like, you know, don't be nervous. And I'm like, I'm not nervous. I don't know why this is happening. Went all through school like that. You know, uh, uh, high school was like that. And uh, it never could figure it out. Then my legs started giving me trouble. I would play guitar and I could never get the chords right and had trouble okay. playing in front of people just because of stage fright, but also because I couldn't, there was just so much going on. I couldn't concentrate on what I was doing. And the more it went on, it just got worse and worse. Um, finally, now I'll make it short. Um, after many trips to Arlington Hospital and Virginia Hospital for trips I couldn't afford, they gave me MRIs because of, of days where I get up and just plop on the floor for no reason. I was oh, and I was playing drums and you know bass drum and snare and hi hat. And all of a sudden, I I'm recording and then I I realize my foot's not doing anything. I'm just playing snare and hi hat, but I felt like I was hitting that bass drum and I wasn't. Oh, okay. And okay. um. That's when I started getting, you know, seriously like, okay, this is getting bad. So after many charity write-offs from Arlington Hospital, thank you very much, Miss Angela Tibbs, who helped me out. I'll never forget that name. She's, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. After getting married and getting on my wife's insurance at Kaiser Permanente in Virginia, they did a spinal tap and found out that I had multiple sclerosis. Okay. And uh, at that time, it was to the point where um, the, I had pictures of my stepdaughter, Kate, now stepdaughter, Kate, back then she was just a, a my girlfriend's kid. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she was pushing me around in a wheelchair in, in wherever we went because I, I had gotten to the point where I couldn't hardly walk anymore. I, oh, wow. you know, I could, but the left leg was completely dead. It felt like a sack of sand all the time. 
And it was like jello. I would try to walk and it was like marshmallows. So they started giving me these shots called Capaxone and that it didn't reverse anything. There's still a lot of dead weight feeling there, but I still, I had enough muscle that I could get it working again. So I, I can do stuff again. You know, if I play drums, it'll die out again after a certain amount of time. And if I rest, then it builds back up and I can start up again. So if I play drums, I alternate feet, you know, uh, thank God for double pedals. You know, I can do, you know, a good measure or two with one foot and then switch over and let the other one relax and just got to compensate. But back to Angela Tibbs, the last time I saw her in Virginia or the last time I, before I got on good insurance, um, she told me, she says, you got to make sure you get yourself some good insurance. And she said to me one day, uh, she says, uh, I've written a letter that I'll take care of all these bills because I had accumulated a, a hell of a lot of bills from all of these MRIs, these CAT scans. And sure, sure. All that stuff. And she said, and I said, you are an angel. You've done nothing but help me out. And I just praised her up and down. And she says, well, you happen to be talking to an angel who has MS. And she says, I'm not a doctor, but I guarantee you it's probably what you've got. Because I, I was up. I was at wit's end trying to figure out what the hell it was. So I was scared to death at that point. But MS, I should tell you what it is, if you don't know. It's a immune disorder that attacks your central nervous system. You've got your central nervous system, which is the brain and spine. You've got your, your brain and your spine that's covered, uh, and, and the nerve endings are all covered in this myelin sheath. And that's, that's what the little inside of the, uh, the wires that run from your brain to all your nerves and everything are are they're protected by that sheath um my immune system attacks that sheet and bite the sheath and bites holes in it and that opens it which causes scarring hex, hence the words uh sclerosis meaning scars multiple scars basically so i have some on my brain and i have a couple on my spine and that's where i've been attacked and those uh those skills are starting to you know fade away a little bit here and there and now i forgot the question no, I'm kidding. But that's that's what it's like. It's just uh, it, people who have had it and still have it. you got Terry Garr. She's a constant advocate for it. Um, okay. And she's still alive and doing very well because um, you can take shots for it and you can take pills for it. And there's also different levels of it. Richard Pryor passed away from multiple sclerosis. Um, oh, okay. Uh, uh, Osborne, what's his name? The... Uh, the son of Ozzy Osbourne, he has multiple sclerosis. A lot of people have it that are popular, and they're doing a lot of things to try to get it taken care of. But uh, it's really hard to diagnose, and it's really hard to cure because it has so many symptoms. You know, it can be mistaken for fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia can be mistaken for MS, you know, back and forth. Um, it's so much like other diseases, and it hides itself so well until they specifically do MRIs or do... Uh, Spinal taps, and that's how they find the the situation. It's really expensive disease too, you know. You didn't get diagnosed till you were in your late thirties. Uh, nineteen. Or I'm so sorry. Two thousand four. I was thirty four when I was diagnosed. Okay. Or wow. two thousand five. Excuse me. Two thousand five. If I don't get that right, my wife will yell at me. <laughs> so that's a long time to go without knowing. Yeah, what was, what was wrong? It was really, really, it was rough, and it was frustrating too because I just figured I was just an idiot, or maybe I did too many drugs in the eighties, man, you know, right, something right. like that. And no, this this is something that's been going on for a while. There was a time that I was really, really sick with pneumonia, 
when I was a kid and uh, uh, around 10 and 11. And I really have a strong feeling is not medically proved, but I have a strong feeling that when I got better, my immune system just kept going and, and kept attacking okay. whatever they thought, you know, cause they are a group of people they thought was, they were trying to fight. And that's what I think does it. Okay. So you, you said you take shots. Do you have to do that every day? Every single day I take a shot and there's five different areas to take it. So I do the, the Monday, the arm, Tuesday, the arm, Wednesday, the stomach, Thursday, the hip, Friday, the other hip. And then Saturday and Sunday are my thighs above my kneecap. So you, you can't do it in the same place in a row because of the pain or, or, um, it's good to, to separate them because of the fact that the immune system is like going crazy, sending out these little munchers that are going out after whatever they can find to attack. So when you shoot in different spots, the, the Copaxone is the name of the drug that I take it. The immune system attacks the Copaxone I'm shooting into the, the uh, area instead of me. So it gives the, it gives the immune system something else to attack. And if okay. I keep doing it in the same spot, uh, and this is a guess. I, I'm not too sure, but my guess is, is that if you do it in the same spot, the immune system is going to be like, this ain't nothing. I see. You got to gotta keep them guessing. Keep them guessing. And that's my guess. I could be, those who are listening who have MS, if I'm completely wrong, please tell me. Because, you know, I'm, I'm good at embellishing things. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> are you worried that, that it'll get worse? Or is it pretty much leveled off? No, it. It, no, it's it keeps getting worse. Um, it does and I get can't worse. say I'm worried about it. I'm worried about the day. The thing that I worry about is like uh, Jocelyn, my step granddaughter, when she reaches a certain age, you know, I don't want to miss something. Okay. Like 20, when she has a, here's me guessing, but 20, when she has that piano recital from all those songs that she and I practiced over the years. Okay. <laughs> you sure. know, or something like that. I don't want to miss that. But it does get worse. Right now, the worst part is memory. Memory has gotten really bad. Okay. Uh, and speech has gotten a little AWOL. Trying to think of the right words to say sometimes. Like, okay. uh, in all honesty, you and I restarted this show again because I wasn't comfortable with the way I was sounding. And it takes a lot of energy to get back into this type of person. But it's a lot of concentration. And it's sort of like a rhythm that you have to okay. get into first. You have to start strumming to do things a certain way. And if you lose that strum, things get really out of whack, whether it's okay. your train of thought or your, your uh, mood or something like that. So you just have to try to, you have to try to beat it every single day, sometimes every single second of the day. That's the way you have to function or else, you know, then you become the guy sitting in the chair that's just folding up and you can't do that. And that day will come, I'm sure. I hope it's not for a very long time. And hopefully they'll come up with new drugs that'll stop that. And I kind of accepted that. But, uh, you know, for now, there's just the hope that something will definitely keep me going. If, like, like when, we're, when we're talking, mm-hmm. like on this podcast, if, if I interrupt you, does that, is it hard to, is that, a, is that really bad? I mean, does that really mess you up? Or does no. that not? No, not too much. What will mess me up is if um, I'm trying to think of something to say and then I pay attention to the fact that uh, I'm not paying attention to what I'm supposed to say. And that could just lead into a, a almost like a football fumble where you just end up 
screwing up more and more, and the ball just keeps getting further and further away. I see. And you have to really run to catch up with it. Now, that that part is – I'm sure a lot of people go through that even without having – multiple sclerosis but the part that sucks is that when you finally catch the ball you're extremely exhausted okay and, and because you used up that energy and that neural pathway to get to that particular position and um and that can be exhausting that part can be exhausting so there's a lot of heavy breathing afterwards and you're just like okay i gotta relax <laughs> going i just came up with a thought now i think i'll take a break <laughs> <laughs> Along, along that, so this podcast, if let's say, let's say we go for two hours, yeah, can can you concentrate Punch. for two hours, or is there like a limit where, say, two and a half hours, you you got to stop and take a break, or does um, it depends? It really depends on the you know how I'm doing that day. It depends on you know it, it it really does depend. I don't know. I've I've never thought about that. You know, it, I know if I was getting tired, I'd be like, well, Chris, let's wrap this up. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I totally understand. Yeah. yeah, but i that's not something I can predetermine. I don't know. Because, like, uh, you know, I j- just released um, – I'm going to sit here and uh, promote something. I hope that's all right. Sure. No, I just released um, the Spiderwebs OTR podcast. Yes, I saw, I saw that. Now, if you take a listen to the beginning of that uh, song, here's an example. I'm giving you an example of, of what it's like to be too much. I, ha- I had tried writing a brand new song for that show, even though it was Spiderweb. So I was going to do this whole new thing and, and a whole new keyboard part, but I wanted it to open up the way the old one did, the old theme song. So I started with the organ, and I was playing, and I cannot remember for the life of me how that goes at all. Then the song is originally a song I wrote about Dracula. It was Dracula's Lament because he couldn't live during the daytime. And that's what the full song, Spiderweb's theme song, came from. So I started playing all these uh, chords, and I was like, how the hell did I play that? I have no clue. Oh, so the, wow. only way, the only way I could do it is slow the music down in my head, and I finally figured it out. Um, that's something I've had to do now with, with anything I do. I have to do it extremely slow. Like the winter album I just did, uh, the guitar work sounds amazing, if I may say so myself. Sure. But it's recorded at a eighty beat per second or eighty beat per minute timing, which is like you know. And then okay. I'll speed it up to a one twenty or one thirty. I see. Okay. After That's it's smart. recorded. That's smart. Sure. I was just telling my my buddy Chad today that when I do a guitar solo, I ha- I have practiced doing the vibrato of the guitar solo much slower so that when it plays faster, it sounds like I'm doing it in regular time. Okay. That's the way I can do things. So if, if, uh, if, if we're doing a podcast like this and it goes two hours, I would definitely just slow down my thinking and take things an ounce at a time, which, why, which is why I babble for so long incessantly without ever coming to a sure, no, you know, that's, finishing that's like here. <laughs> that's fine. Huh? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll try. I'll try to keep this under two hours. No, <laughs> <laughs> or he'll never shut up. <laughs> no, I, I, I have so many questions for you. Um, oh, please do go ahead and ask. Um, I love them. Okay, so speaking to me and the audience, what would you like us to know about MS that we may not know or not understand, or we may not understand? The the biggest thing I think that you should know is if you ever meet somebody with MS, 
that I'm not drunk. That's the big one. When okay. I worked at the toll road, a lot of people were like Kevin drinks a lot. See how he shakes and oh, every sure. day. Um, yeah, if you meet somebody and and if you find out that they have MS, it's not. I don't know. That's a good question there, Chris. The the having the awareness of it. I used to hate that word awareness. Okay. What was that? That was just like you know. You know, are you aware that there's a man standing in the corner of the room? Yeah. And okay, sure. What do you want me to do about that? <laughs> be right. aware of it. Just be aware that man standing there. Just in, case he, <laughs> just in case he's not later, and then he won't freak out. So, but awareness, I guess, is important. Just, just okay. knowing what it's about and and why and what, and not mistaking it for something else. You know, and knowing that the the best thing to do is just understand the situation and okay. be patient with it that's the biggest one i i am so so blessed with with buddies like recording with sean and rob on throwback reviews they are very very patient with me and i complain all the time about something yeah i just i am very blessed to have a lot of friends doug and and all of them are very 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 compassionate when it comes to that and i think that's it the key word would be compassion having compassion for the person and understanding of it okay Okay, one more, one more. Please, um, please. Okay, let's say, um, let's say me and you are going out, and we're gonna. I am married. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that takes care of that. Uh, next question. No. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> now let's say you know we're gonna well, go I appreciate out. You and, asking, and, uh, and I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! Interview over. <laughs> Click. I've been leading up to this crap. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go from that. Um, no, let's uh, <laughs> let's say that um, going out. yeah, we're gonna you know just do something fun, you know, some some dude right. stuff. And okay, we're hanging out. We're you know maybe we go eat, go watch a movie, go I don't know, do something, whatever. Now, I'm just using me and you as a hypothetical, but. In, any person that hangs out with somebody that has MS, okay, is there right. any anything that I could do when I'm with you besides you know what you mentioned about being patient and that is there anything that I could do to help you during that day that that maybe it's kind of awkward for you to ask somebody you know like I don't know I'm I'm just saying like you know pulling out your chair. I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, I'm just using that as an example, but you know what I mean? Is there something that oh. I could help somebody with that m maybe they're uncomfortable asking me in that situation? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, well, just like I said, with the compassion situation and understanding it, joke about it. I think humor is the best, best, best part about it. Sean, Sean will rack me to death. Um, make fun of me and call me names. And actually that makes me <laughs> that, that makes it, that makes it wonderful for me personally. Okay. Uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not somebody who has like the severe, uh, there's what I have is called relapsing remitting MS. Uh, so it comes, it goes, you know, comes in really, really hard some days and other days is a really soft situation where I'm, it, you wouldn't think I had anything, you know, I was perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, but then you have the the people who have progressive MS and those, those people also enjoy the humor and enjoy, you know, having people around, but they're going to need more time to relax and more time to, those people need more of uh, understanding when they reach a point where they just, 
need that relaxation period. Okay. That, sure. that, yeah. And there's days where I, I'm kind of the same way where I just reach a point and I tell my friends or whatever, you know, guys, I'm exhausted. Do you mind if I just, sure. you know, stay out this time? And that's, that's understanding and compassion again would be the two major keywords okay. for that type of situation. Before we move on to some of these other questions I have for you that are, that are not um, about the MS, is there anything sure. you want to say about it before we move on? Did I leave anything out or you want to add anything? No, I think, I think we covered pretty darn good. And yeah. And if uh, you have any more questions, I'll, I'll definitely answer them. But no, thank you for the ones you asked. That was beautiful. No, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's sure. Um, appreciate it. it. Let's do something different. What are some of your hobbies and, and things that you're interested in? I know you've mentioned the music already. Is there mm-hmm. is there anything else that you that you like to do or, or that you're involved in or podcasting? <laughs> I love podcasting. I've done uh music for so long. I love music. Painting is something that, believe it or not, I would love to do, but I have not done for a very long time. And I used to do it pretty fluently when I was a kid. Oh wow. Yeah, I used to love to draw and used to love to paint. Um, nice, awesome. As a matter of fact, a buddy of mine um, online, he shared with me pictures that I drew back in 1988 um, and another one I did like in 1986, uh, back when I was in a Metallica. And I drew, I used to draw, I used to draw Eddie really well from Iron Maiden. Okay. And uh, I used to draw a whole bunch of Halloween style pictures and drum sets and guitars and things like that. And I got into digital art for a little while, but strictly 8-bit type of drawings, like what you would do with MS Paint back in the old Windows okay. XP days and stuff like that. have a lot of artwork there. I should share some of that with you. Yeah, and, that'd be um, awesome. But, so that, that's a hobby. Gardening, of course, is a hobby. Beer glass collecting has gotten okay. ridiculous. That is a huge <laughs> hobby. And movie collecting. Movie DVD collecting. I've been collecting DVDs ridiculously, collecting things. But lately, podcasting has been my biggest love. That's my favorite hobby on the planet. The ability to put out some kind of, of recording that can be, you know, that can stand the width of time even long after I'm gone so that my grandkids' grandkids have something to listen to. You know, that kind of thing. That's very I love cool. that. Yeah. Kevin, what is one event in your life that, that had a huge impact? Oh, goodness. I know we talked about, you know, your parents' divorce in that in that period of time. Is there yeah, another period, so maybe something that um, that you look back on now and you're like, because of that, this is where I am now? Or does Shelley. that make sense, Shelly? Yeah, it would be okay. Shelly. There, there was a moment. This is really hard to pick. And uh, Sure. Just, we'll just do one, not like the biggest, but just like one. How about that? This is, yeah, this, this well, well, this will probably be the biggest. Okay. It was a night that, that Shelly and I used to talk on the phone before we met. And um, a lot. We met online in a chat room on AOL. Okay. She, I was looking for bass strings for my dad's stand-up bass that I just received from the trash because uh, he was getting rid of it because he couldn't play bass anymore. That's another thing my dad was good at was being overly German and <laughs> getting rid of things <laughs> that he couldn't do anymore. So my my. Then at the time, uh, that was my stepbrother who who rescued it from the trash because my dad got remarried. Or I'm sorry, it was a yard sale. He was selling at a yard sale. Oh, wow. And uh, so he rescued it from that and brought it over to me. I said, thank you. So I wanted to restring it. So I went online and I'm looking for strings. 
And this woman answered who was in Omaha, Nebraska, which is where, where the routing center was for AOL at the time. I thought she lived in Omaha, Nebraska. And we, she was talking about symphony stuff. So I was like, oh, I reached the Omaha Symphony. They should know something about strings for a stand-up bass. Well, that led to about, geez, probably about uh, almost six months to a year's worth of online conversations. Oh, wow. Which led, yeah, which led to phone numbers, which led to pictures. And then I met Shelly. No, I'm kidding. Um, then Shelly came along. Because <laughs> that girl's name happened to be Francine. And... Uh, I was like, you know, my dad. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that led to Shelly. So I met her finally. And But I remember having a, this is the point to answer your question. We were talking on the phone and uh, she needed a place to stay because she was divorcing. When I met her, she was divorcing from her husband at the time. The situation got really bad and she got everything taken from her. She had no place to stay, living in the subsidized type of housing situation. I said, we have a cabin up in New York that we're not using. I can't think of anybody. And at this time we were just friends, but I think that's when I fell in love with her because I okay. said, I can't think of anybody else on the planet that could keep up the traditions that I grew up with in that cabin than you. And I'm, I'm not willing to give that cabin out to anybody. I was expecting that cabin for me, you okay. know? So, and, and for some reason, I just remember that moment. It actually made me cry a little bit. It was weird. We were talking about something really thick that was kind of emotional, I started crying and I was like, why am I crying over this chick moving into my cabin? And, uh, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, I think that's the point I fell in love with Shelly. And to this day, that feeling hasn't even died an, an ounce. None of that flame or whatever you want to call it has lessened at all. It, it's just, that's when I, that's the first time. No offense to anybody prior that I've ever dated or whatever, but that's the first time that I've really overly respected the person that I knew I would be connected with for a very long period of time with. No clue I was going to marry this person at all. And wow. never even thought I would tell this person I love them. You know, um, But I think that was the moment. I just remember that overwhelming feeling like it's right here in front of you. You know, have it. And I did. I said, this is mine. And that led to, you know, her moving in there and we got closer and closer and closer. And one day I said, will you marry me? And her answer was, I don't know. Or, well, no, uh, are you sure? And now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, I think so. And that was it. One, one of the things that I enjoy um, when I when I vox with you, um, Kevin, a lot of times you have you have Shelly on there. Or she's in the background, or you know, or you'll have her say hi and stuff. And and I, I really like that. It's like you you know you are a couple that you know this isn't just your thing. You know this this boxing and this podcasting. It's not just your thing, but you no. share it with her, and she's part of that. And that's that's really cool. I I really like that. That's, that's Thanks. That's it's yeah, really neat. She is very neat, and she's something I run everything by. This. Sometimes I won't even make a move without checking with her first kind of thing because I, I, her opinion matters that much. And she does have this, this old fashionedness about her that I just, you don't find in people nowadays. And it's, it's this good old wholesome, you know what I mean? Like yes. leave it to beaver atmosphere about her that's it, that sure. I love. She is just a, she hardly ever curses unless she's trying to make me laugh. You know, she, <laughs> She, she, or, or dirty jokes won't even leave her lips unless we're alone. 
Um, if we're in public, it's brazier and not bra, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. And she's, she's, uh, and I love that. And she's a great cook and she's, she's very loving. She's very go get them when things get down. And I could go on for hours. Never mind. This is not a, it's not about her. <laughs> it's about it's me, a, darling. That's right. No, that's right. That would be my, my life changing moment. What happened to the cabin? Oh, man. Did you have to sell it? All right. Well, the cabin is a sad story. That belonged to my great aunt's um, cabin is in upstate New York. It's in a small town, which I won't mention because of what I'm going to tell you about it. But um, my friends and family know. But it's something that's been in the family for a long time, and none of us have had the money to keep it up. So it's kind of an embarrassment because now it's starting to collapse. Okay. Um, the, the cabin at one time was left to me. And I don't have the money to keep up a cabin. I really thought that by this time, during the time that I was, you know, promised the cabin, quote unquote, um, it wasn't really a promise. It was more a suggestion. Okay. But the, um, but the uh, cabin, you know, my mom had that company building houses. The cabin was being revamped. We talked about renting it. We talked about um, making it a spot for, you know, people to come and stay bed and breakfast wise. Um, just something to keep it going and nothing ever happened. And that's a source, a source spot between my mother and I, uh, she wants me to go there and collect everything out of it that she wants to save for posterity. And I need to, there's a bunch of stuff there from my childhood and just stuff that belonged to all my great aunts and my grandparents that I want to get. Yeah. And, um, she's, my mother's trying really hard to get rid of it and unload it. So she doesn't have to worry about it, which I understand. Plus, she doesn't have to pay taxes on it. Taxes in New York are ridiculous. Oh, wow. Sure. And and I can't afford it. It's like over two grand a year or something like that. But at the time, you know, uh, Shelly had the wherewithal to take care of it and uh, keep it. And she did. She kept it going for quite a while. She took very good care of it, cleaned it top to bottom, um, and just kept it homey. And it was neat to see it. It lived in again because sure. I hadn't been to that cabin since I was a kid. Oh wow! And and I got to spend a winter in that cabin, which it was strictly a summer cabin kind of place, with a lake and all that good stuff. And, okay. Um, and uh, spending a winter there was beautiful, and seeing Christmas there and just all that was amazing. I don't even I don't know if I could look at the cabin now. The grass is all overgrown, and the trees are all grown, and I'm sure some have collapsed on the cabin. I just I'm afraid to look at it. Oh wow. And that's the deal with the cabin. The cabin, the cabin is a very special place when I was growing up. It's not like a place where somebody could move in. No one ever wanted to move uh, in, or it's it's strictly like a weekend kind of thing. No, now it's well, it's it's been outfitted to last for someone to live in it. Okay. But the last time we were there, it had been broken every single winter. When you're not there, uh, according to my great aunts and and my mother. People would break into the cabin, uh, but they were the kind of people like hunters and stuff that would do that for warmth or whatever. And you would get a note that said, we use these dishes, wash them and put them in the sink. But they still, they broke in there. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. So, so nobody did anything because it it's a small town and it's like, well, at least they wash the dishes. I don't know what kind of passive aggressive thing that is, but, you know, some kind of uh, philanthropist, not philanthropist, what's that word? Pacifist? Huh. It's, it's everybody's pacifist. Just let him go. Let him go. So that went on for many years. So the last time we were there, the, there has been so much damage to the front door, people breaking in that wow. there was just no point in fixing it. And the last time I saw it, I just said, screw it. I'm just not going to bother. 
So it's it's just sitting up there. God knows what's going on with it. We've had neighbors watching it, and they said that there's really, you know, there's a big problem in the front. There's the roof is caving a little bit. Oh no! And uh, it's sad. So it's it's a sore spot. Sure. It's, it's really sad. If I had the money, I would do something, but I just don't. But and there's just so many memories up there that I think it'll kill me to see what state it's in right now. Sure. Yeah, so I'm hoping that my mom will do something with it and then tell me about it later. So at least I know somebody's enjoying the spot and it's taken care of, you know, all that's gone. What are some of your life goals or things that you'd like to achieve mm. at some point? Right now, it seems like the the goals that I've had in the past have changed so many times each each day, especially with the MS Okay. It seems like uh, some of the goals have changed, but to have a house would be one goal. Okay. I mean, it used to, when I was a kid, it was a, the goals were I want I want to be able to perform concerts for free, and I want to like tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Europe. Then I got to older ages, and that diminished too. I just want to have a really cool band and play out locally, you know, stuff like that. Then that changed to, man, I want to play drums. <laughs> Again, so now it's, I think I've already hit the, the goals of what I want, which is like putting out albums for free for people to download. That's something awesome that, you know, I never would have thought of when I was younger because that wasn't available. These, these doing these podcast shows are goals, little goals in themselves. Okay. Um, I love the, I love doing the podcast. Those are fun. You know, achievements would be to have a house. I have friends come over as much as possible because I love having a full house, a bunch of people around and having a good time. I would like to finish a lot of the projects that I would like to have done, if that makes sense. Like, uh, okay. I've always wanted to have like a diner kind of situation. I don't know if that's still possible, but that would be a neat achievement to have or a goal to have. Always want to have a diner where people could come and, and musicians come and record themselves in front of a live audience and then have something to take home. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, that's that's something neat. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. That was a big deal for me and it's something I wouldn't mind still doing. And then also opening up a podcasting studio for people to come in and record their podcasts with nice equipment and have a nice sound without having to pay a ton of money in studio A, B or C down at, you know, Harry's shack of music, whatever it is, you know, some big, huge <laughs> conglomerate, you know, just come into Zerbinators or, you know, Zerbs studios or whatever. Or I used to have a studio called Mood Swing Studio in Arlington, Virginia. And people could come and record for $5 an hour or whatever it was. I charged 20 an hour at oh, the wow. most and five if you were broke. Or just give me some gear nice. <laughs> in return. Sure. Yeah, Barter a lot system. of equipment came out of it. Yeah. So that would be something nice to have a recording studio again for any purpose. But yeah, but right now it's it's more feasible to choose the the hobbies as achievements. Cause, sure. Because that's fun. Sure. That's definitely fun. This can be off the record. But you mm-hmm. mentioned that you just moved by the lake, so you don't you don't have a house or No, no, uh, this can be on the record. We're we're renting right now. Oh, um, okay, okay. So you I didn't know if you were like we, living with somebody or no, uh, we we got lucky at this house. We were renting in Meriden when we moved up here in a small apartment. Um, when that lease came up and the price was getting way too high for such a small area. Okay. 
a small one bedroom apartment. We were looking in the paper and we found this place for nine fifty a month, which isn't too bad in Connecticut. Okay, sure. For a, a bottom level of a house, and then you look out and there's a giant lake here, uh, Lake Bezik. So we got really lucky finding this. And um, okay, uh, yeah, we live on, and luckily nobody lives above us right now. Yeah, and and our our lease is up in. Um, uh, when did we move in here? I think it's September. Oh no, excuse me, October is when we moved in here. So. Hopefully, if nobody comes in by October, the next move we make should be hopefully into our first house because we're doing the first home buyers association. Okay, and uh, you just need ten percent down sure. on uh, right. payment, and then we can start moving in. Nice. So I hope the next move is the final one because we've done a lot of work to get where we are here. Yeah, so, that's awesome. I hope yeah. that works out for you. No, oh, thank you. I hope so. My wife and I actually lived in apartments for ten years, and then uh, we had our daughter. And then, uh, then we got our, our house, the house we live in now. So we lived in different apartments for 10 years. Wow. Uh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so, um, feeling. Okay, Kevin. So looking back on your life up to this point, mm-hmm. is there anything, there may not be, is there anything that you would do differently or not do? I probably wouldn't have dropped out of school. If, uh, if I, now, now I've a firm believer that every single step and turn you make leads you to where you are now. Okay, sure. You know, so I'm kind of glad that things worked out the way they did. But, uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, I probably wouldn't have messed around so much with, uh, with the drugs at the age, you know, at all. Uh, especially now that it's legal. That was just a big waste of time. Sure. So, (laughs) no, it's, it's something I probably would have dabbled with. Um, and again, this is hindsight, knowing what I know now and where I'm going to, you know, I'm, I, with MS, it's sort of like being on drugs anyway. Okay. So I probably would have been a little bit more coherent now had I okay. not messed around back then. Those would be the two things I think I would change. I probably would have put more, uh, I would have used less Aquanet, so I would have more, more hair now. <laughs> I think I used a ton of Aquanet when I was a kid. I wish I met Shelly earlier. I think that would have been nice. Sure. However, I wouldn't have these two beautiful stepdaughters if I hadn't. Oh, that's true. And I get along with their father. Yeah. Their father I get along with very well. And uh, really quick, I'll tell you that uh, at my at Katrina's wedding, the older daughter's wedding, uh, Shelly, Todd is her ex-husband, and I danced together. All three of us danced together. And he said to me, he said, I cannot think of anybody else on the planet to help me raise my kids than you. Uh, something along those lines, something oh. very sweet. And I'll never forget that. That is awesome. And yeah, that is very awesome. And that, that brought him and I closer to the point that whenever he's around, we could hang out and be silly and have fun. And the kids don't know how to act. And I love that. Sure. <laughs> They're just like, oh, we're supposed to be uh no, you're not supposed to be anything. Just have fun. Right. Everybody loves each other. Does Todd and, and Shelly's get along still or they get along fine. Um, they they're not, of course, as close as they were before. Right, right. Before, uh, before they got the divorce. But, sure. Uh, no, but they get along well, and they, and they communicate when they need to. Okay. Especially when it involves the children. Right, right. Or uh, and sometimes Todd, Todd and I will talk on the phone sometimes just to if, we, if each of us have a problem and we need to talk to a guy, you know, or if I got a problem with Shelly, I'll compare notes. <laughs> 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 
I'll be like, did you ever have this? No. (laughs) God. Yeah, me too. Same thing. (laughs) He he and I get along really well. Really, really well. He's like, it's your problem now. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I heard that before. (laughs) And I'll gladly take the problem. It has to be said. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take the problem. Definitely. Okay, Kevin, you got time for one more, buddy? Surely. Okay. Last one. For me or the audience, what piece of advice would you give based on your life, based on what you've been through, you've experienced? What is a piece of advice that you would you could give somebody about anything that you've experienced that you think would be helpful? Any topic, any, you know, anything. Wow. Wow. You know, something that you 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 now know and that you could say, look, look, Christopher, um, I think I think this would help. Yeah, the biggest thing I can think of is just being understanding of everything that you possibly can be, any topic, okay. and try. And, and I, I, it's something I have to work on myself because I, I am one quick to judge any situation. Um, first thing I do is find humor in it. Okay. Then I stick by a motto: never have the nerve to be surprised. When something ridiculous happens, uh, example, the situation in Baltimore um, would fall under. Never have the nerve to be surprised is my first reaction. Okay. Then then I try to understand the situation. Why did that kind of thing happen? And what are what what led to that situation happening? And then try to dissect it even more if I have to. So understanding something without just shunning it off. And not understanding something can be the worst thing that somebody can do. I think that would be, I hope that would answer the question. Okay. Just having, having an understanding of, of a situation before ex- excluding it from your situation, if that makes sense. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and, and the biggest thing I learned my life, and if it's, if it's one of those questions, the biggest thing I've ever learned my whole life is trying to be thankful for, for what you have and not never miss a thing is, is another thing too. It's just always okay. realize what you have and be be thankful you have it because it can always be worse. It could always be much worse when you think you're at the worst part. Sure, you know you could always make it worse. So be glad you're at this point and just climb up from there. If you're down or if you're up, make sure to look around and enjoy where you are because you'll miss it. It'll be over and you'll be like, well, nothing ever happens. Well, it just did and you missed it. Right. You didn't see it. Right. So that's, 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 that's it. That's great advice, Kevin. Thank you. I hope so. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. Appreciate that. <laughs> ah, thank you. Yeah, and I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate being on the show, Kevin. I hope um, that this discussion can, uh, you know, entertain some people. But I hope, uh, especially your your openness about the MS, because some of that. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. Most of that, I didn't even know. Oh, cool. And I and I on and on purpose, I didn't. I was gonna Google a bunch of stuff and read up on it. Um, just yeah. so I would know. I mean, I, I, I kind of know a little bit, but, um, but I didn't want to, I wanted to, um, I wanted to, to learn it oh, from you okay. and I, I appreciate your openness about that. And sure. hopefully, you know, that, uh, somebody listening to this, that maybe, uh, maybe it'll help somebody or, you know, at least, uh, so. bring a smile because that's just as important as anything. Well, that, yeah, that's very important. I think humor is the most important thing out of any gift or whatever you want to call it in the human human category the one of the best things that we have is laughter and i think that's definitely one of the the biggest the biggest healers of anything 
yeah. is a giggle. Sure. Your, your attitude, um, especially like, you know, a positive attitude can affect your life in, like so much. It's, oh, yeah. it's, you yeah. know, just, just, you know, being negative and down can affect your health, your stress, you know, the people around you and the opposite, you know, just being in a good mood. And, and even if you're not having a great day, trying to have a great day and smiling and, and trying to, trying to make it fun or enjoyable, it, it, it lifts your spirit. I mean, it lifts the people around you. It's, uh, it's so powerful. Very true. So powerful. Yeah. Very, very true. But me- and that's what makes this podcasting crap so fun too, because we can act silly and stupid. <laughs> Definitely. And it makes people giggle and, it's it's good. I like I like that feeling. Yes, I really like that feeling when you can make someone giggle. Yeah, I, I, by singing I lo- rapture. <laughs> I love um, by Blondie. <laughs> you, man, you, that was that was a good time. I uh, I love it, it when um, when I when I can listen to a podcast and and because uh, I, I listen to them at work. That's when I listen to my po- I mean not mm-hmm. my podcast. That's when I listen to podcasts is at work. And, and, um, yeah. and it's, it's always great when I'm sitting there working and laughing and giggling, you know, because of it, it makes everything go yeah, easier. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I like listening to podcasts where it's, it's a, where you, you learn something and, and the, the point of the podcast is to teach you. And, and that's great. And, yeah. But I also like listening to just the ones like we're doing where we just talk and listening to people talk and you, you kind of, uh, you can, you know, you kind of feel like you're part of that conversation, and and when they yeah. do something funny and you're laughing, it's like, yeah, this is all right. Yeah, that's important. It's definitely important. Yeah, it just makes you part of, it. like you said, definitely, it makes you part of that conversation, and it just makes you part of that life. Yeah, and that's that's important. Definitely, and, and I'm sharing life. I'm so I'm so appreciative that you're here tonight. I, um, Thanks, man. I appreciate it very much to to be the topic. It's weird. It's really weird to be interviewed. But you do a really good job at interviewing somebody, sir. You know, I try. I, I um I just like to learn about people and everybody has a history and a story and, and I mean even I even have notes I could interview you again. I have you know, there's there's so much more you know, I mean you just I just think it's fascinating and one question leads to another and all right, man. I, I appreciate it. Me as well. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. Too. So, where where can um where can everybody find out about you and your music? You can find everything that you need at zerbinator.wordpress.com. That's zerbinator.wordpress.com. Awesome. There's music there. There's uh, all the music is free. Uh, there's Zerbatron music, Zerbinator music, and then countless podcasts that'll just keep growing. When I get tired of podcasting, it'll stop. So very help cool. Yourself. Very cool. Yeah, there's there is a lot of goodness to pick from that site. Kevin does a lot of podcasts, a lot of really fun ones. There's a history one too, wasn't there? You did a couple episodes. There's uh, yeah, there's uh the the history and beer. That's with my son-in-law. Okay. Um we need to do another that one. That one's pretty cool. That was pretty neat. There's a beer glass. The beer cast. glass, that's right. Uh, that one. That's the other one. Uh spider webs about horror stories. Okay. That I wrote myself. A holiday cheer about holidays. Look it is about seventies and eighties toys. Uh, getting ready with Shell is me antagonizing my wife yeah, that, to death. That was fun. <laughs> eighty to eighty-nine is the one that you appeared on recently. It's just uh, as if we were living in the eighties, uh, just reliving it with all the news and events that happened at the time. Please stand by is a show that I did with Joe and then Sean and now Ferg. That's fun. And it's just a chance for us to act like idiots. That's all that. That one makes me laugh out loud at work. Oh, I love it. And, <laughs> and I've had great co-hosts. 
great co-host. I couldn't have asked for a better set. I wish I could have all three of them on the show at the same time. That'd be that fun. would be great. Uh, Rusted Metal with my buddy Rob Flack O'Hara doing heavy metal from the 80s, uh, Spiderwebs OTR. The newest show is going to be um, uh, Horror Nights, and I'm recording the first episode, hopefully this coming Friday. Oh, wow. Where I just dis- discuss horror movies with my good fun, good fun friend, uh, Mike Groshan, who I grew up with. Oh, cool. And he's going to be there. He's going by Mike G. Mike G. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I love him. He's an old, old friend of mine, and we're going to have a good time talking about horror. Oh, that'll be good. So. Yeah, there's a lot on there, so help yourselves, please. Very cool. Well, with that, then, I guess we will close out this episode. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much, buddy. I would like to take this moment to thank Kevin again for being on the show. It's not always easy to open up to someone, and his sharing with us and me about his MS was was very brave of him. Uh, We all go through this life, and some of us have it easier than others. Some of us have it better than others. Um, Some of that's due to our own choices and some of it is just the hand we're dealt with. Uh, How we deal with that hand says a lot about who we are and it says a lot about our character. To have a disease like MS and still enjoy life and have fun and have such an upbeat spirit like Kevin has. um, He's always smiling, always laughing. Well, um, that's commendable and it's inspirational. to Kevin and all those who are suffering with ailments, diseases, and afflictions, or other issues that we may not know about or they may not talk about, well, thank you for showing us how to fight the, that fight with humor and dignity and strength. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TupaCast. TupaCast can be found on iTunes or at ctupa.com slash TupaCast. Christopher will create original art relating to each podcast that will be for sale on the website. Proceeds from the sale of art will go to help pay for the hosting fees. If you have a topic idea for a podcast or would like to be a guest on TupaCast, email tupacastpodcast at gmail.com. Feedback and comments are also welcomed at iTunes and via email. We hope you have enjoyed listening to TupaCast. Bye! Power to the people, man. TupaCast. That's a good thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Click, click, click! (laughs) I want my tater tot! I want my tater tot! Time to say goodnight, bro.